you thank you and community centres should receive more funding? Uh, um, I've been a minister in the government since 2018. I've yet to meet any organisation that thinks they've got enough money. That's just the nature of government. Everybody wants more money and I don't have a problem with that. The fact of the matter is, however, that this is the worst, most challenging budgetary situation we've ever been in. So there isn't a lot of uh, spare money going about. But I'm a big fan of the kind of youth work that I've seen in this role. And the one thing that I'm keen to do right across the portfolio, but particularly in this area, is to try and ensure that the money that we can commit to this, as much as possible, gets put to best use, and that means in the front line. So we're really going through an exercise, particularly at the moment, of trying to identify where there might be a bit of duplication, a bit of wastage, to try and make sure we avoid that, and the money, you know, we get the best bang for our buck as we, as we get the money to support youth work, but all sorts of other stuff as well. Do you have any potential ideas for motivating younger people in high school or in, or in order to improve attendance in grades? You know, I'm 60 years old. I'm not going to claim that I'm smart on what motivates young people or what they think. It's why I do a lot of listening in this job. I think in the first instance you need to listen to young people about what it is that's behind their, their attendance or their poor performance at school. And often that's got a lot to do with things that have unrelated to school work as such. Um, but I think we've also got to be realistic, haven't we? Um, we have rightly so an expectation that young people will attend school and they will do as well as they possibly can academically. But the reality is that for some young people, school's not the right environment. It's not the right place. And they don't thrive in it. And, you know, they may be better suited by college courses and, you know, foundation apprenticeships and things like that. And there's, there's no kind of wrong path in this. So I think... We kind of get bogged down in simply saying, you know, school school grades is the be-all and end-all. Of course it's important. It's a bit like saying that everybody should try to get to university. It's not for everyone. And we need to tailor education better to meet the needs of the young people so we get the best out of them and they get the best possible chance. What are your thoughts on the current education strike action? The reason that we're asking is because some people at our club do attend college in which they are being badly affected by it. Yeah, I mean, look, trade unions have got the right to pursue um, a, a fair way, a way settlement. But there is also the other side of that, which is it has to be affordable. And the position for colleges, as it is for the government, is really difficult financially. And we need to strike a balance. And that's why I spent uh, a chunk of yesterday afternoon meeting uh, the lecturing unions along with management to try and encourage them uh, to understand where we were at and to find a way to resolve this. Um, they're meeting again this afternoon. You know, we're doing as much as we can to, to encourage resolution of that because at the end of the day, the only people who suffer for this are the young folk that are going to college and that isn't good. And particularly on the back of all the detriment they suffered during the pandemic, we really need a bit of stability in the colleges to assist students to, to get back on track. What made you want to switch from journalism to politics? Could you see yourself sticking to journalism if it wasn't for politics? I might have had no choice. Um, <laughs> so I was a journalist for 30 years, and for 28 years of it, I loved it. The last two years, all I seemed to do was fight with management to protect my staff, and it was a horrible environment. And it just so happened that I'd been politically active for a long time, mm -hmm. but the opportunity came along that I could get into politics, if that's if you want to put it. Um, for a long period of time, I had thought 
I couldn't do that, you know, it's not for me, but get longer I was involved in the, the sort of periphery, I thought, well, actually, I could do it. And you kind of have this idea that you could serve the constituents quite effectively. So I, I put myself forward in 2010, got elected in 2011. Um, if I hadn't done that, I don't know, I can't see myself in continuing journalism. Journalism's in a pretty bad state as a, an industry, and it was mostly good for your mental health, uh, being involved in all that strife. Um, but I'm in a strange position. I promised myself that I was never going to set foot in this place until Scotland was independent. And then in 2007, we won the election. I thought, well, I've got to be there to see the first minister elected. So I came, saw that, walked out the door and went, that's it, I'm not coming back to our independent. And four years later, I walked back in as an MSP. And now I'm a government minister. So it, it's strange how life works out. And, and there's something in that for young people as well. And that if you... At the start of your kind of educational and work journey, you know, you maybe know where you'd like to be. It doesn't mean you're not going to get there, you know. It's funny how life works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your favourite sport to report on during your time as a sports reporter? So predominantly it was football. And I travelled all over the Europe. I went to World Cups, European Championships. I saw my team win the Cup Winners' Cup, which was, was lovely. But apart from football, which I still follow as a fan, um, I'm kind of heavily into golf, American football, horse racing, there's a number of sports I like to follow, and now I can do that kind of, dis- well not dispassionately, because I'm pretty passionate about football, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's not my job as it were, so you can look at it in a different way. Are you excited about the new colleges being developed in the Highlands and Islands? Some of our staff are originally from this area. So I visited the new college last week, I spent the day there. I mean, if we're being honest, the new college, the merger, was born out of significant challenges that the three colleges faced. They had to merge. We hope that being that one entity will make them stronger. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in the college. Uh, How you serve island and west coast mainland communities is completely different to what you do in, you know, urban Scotland. Um, But they've got some good ideas. I was pleased to see them engaging actively when I was there with the business community, they're working with the council. Um, I, I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, but I think the whole college sector's got a lot of potential. I think it's um, I think it's really bad at telling what a good job it does. You know, I've been blown away with some of the stuff I've seen in the colleges when I visited, but you hardly ever hear about it. They don't blow their own trumpet. So, you know, we're doing a lot of work trying to make the colleges more financially stable and stronger for the future, so they're there, as effective as they can be for our young people. Um, and part of that is getting them to, to tell that story about the things they're doing. And I've met people who, but for the colleges, who, who've, you know, for instance, a group of young women who didn't have a good time at school, had wanted to get into nursing, and didn't get the chance. One of our colleges spotted that cohort, and uh, they were in the late 20s, someone a little bit older. And this college put on a course that was um, applied maths as an access to nursing course. I met them a few months ago. They're all going to university to study nursing at that bit later in life. That wouldn't have happened without what that college did. And that's something for me to hang on to in terms of the importance of, of what our colleges do. And, you know, talking to those young women about how we thought this had gone, you know, and now we're going to go and study nursing and get a career with thought. And that's, that's a real motivation for, for, for me as the Minister. 
Oh, a bit of a silly question. Is there any song that's like a guilty pleasure to you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a musical snob, right? Oh, okay. I am um, like, you know, I hate pop music and all that stuff. I'm the jam, Paul Weller, Ocean Car Scene, Manic Street Preachers, real music as I would call it. <laughs> but I suppose if I had a guilty pleasure, my dad was a huge Frank Sinatra fan. And there's a song Sinatra did called Let Me Try Again which is probably what would be my top 10 of favourite songs. So it doesn't really sit with my normal musical taste, but I suppose that's my guilty pleasure. Absolutely. And kind of less serious, but less, uh, let's say a bit more serious than a guilty pleasure song. If you could be any movie or TV show character, who would you be? Well, I'm a big Star Trek fan. So I suppose it's a toss-up between James T. Kirk and Benjamin Sisko. Okay. Um, but given my age, it's probably James T. Kirk. <laughs> What advice do you have for young people who are currently trying to figure out what they want to do when they leave school? It's a really topical question because the thing that's most occupying my time just now is on the back of the James Withers review where he recommends a proper national career service. It's what I'm probably most thinking about, about how we assist our young people to make the right choice for them. Because right now we're not reaching everybody and I'm concerned that the, a lot of young people are not get, not maximising their potential but also sometimes going down the wrong road. Because, you know, it's a fact and I, and I hear this from young people that some parents are still pushing their, their kids to university as being still that gold standard in their view. And actually, young people themselves want to go and get apprenticeships and start earning a living. And... Chatting to some young people in Ayrshire the other week and asking them what they would want out of the career service, they said they wanted to be told, these are your options, you know, this is your skill set, this is your kind of academic strengths, these would be your options, but not just, you could do this college course, you could go to university, you go to tell us what that will lead to, where would it lead to, but also, what's money we're going to make, you know, how good a living is it going to be, and I guess that's what we're going to aspire to deliver for our young people. But from my point of view, probably the best piece of advice is something I said earlier. Just because you don't get where you want to at the start doesn't mean you're not going to get there. Um, and I know that sounds a bit trite, but that's me. That's what happened to me. I was, I had a place at university studying electronic engineering, and that's what I wanted to do. And I struggled with maths, and I feel my maths higher. And I went to reset it, and I realised halfway through I was never going to pass it. So you have to start thinking about what you're going to do as another career path. I had edited the school magazine for two years. I'd never thought about journalism. Never in a million years. I passed the entrance exam to go to Napier to um, study journalism as an alternative. I then got the offer of a job. I took the job. Two weeks in the job, I started covering my own football club, Aberdeen. That became my job, covering football. And for a 28-year career out of it. Mm -hmm. And then I've ended up in politics. And if you'd asked anybody in my modern studies class when I was 16 if I ended up in politics, they'd have gone, aye, absolutely, because I was obsessed. <laughs> I never got into politics till much later in life. You know, I'm fortunate to do the job I do. I really enjoy it most of the time. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm 60 years old. I'll be 61 next month. A lot of people at my age are kind of coasting down to retirement. You know, they're just filling out their, their last few years. I actually really enjoy my job. I'm very fortunate. But... The path to get here 
wasn't a, an obvious one. And I think that's the, the message for young people that you might not crack it at school. You might go to college and it's not the course you wanted to do. But you know, ultimately, if you if you focus on it, you've got the, the right sort of uh, strengths. You will get there for the most part. And I think that's the thing. And it's also important to tell young people that it's and, and university is you know fantastic and it's the right thing for a large number of people. But it isn't everything. There's nothing wrong with going and getting a job. There's certainly nothing wrong with going and getting an apprenticeship or going to college. Um, it's about what is the right outcome for that young person? And, and my job as a minister is to try and improve that offering for the young people in this country. Well, if we've got enough time, to jump on my question. Uh, what made you like? What made you realise politics was right for you? And would you say any prior experience kind of helped you towards that path? Prior experience, I suppose, the analytical side of being a journalist. Is, is helpful in kind of um, dissecting what you're being told, working your way through it. Um, that's been helpful. But I guess you've got, ultimately, you've got to care. I mean, the, the biggest buzz of being an MSP is fixing stuff for people. People who are a really raw deal, whether it be for the NHS or the council or whatever, government sometimes, and getting that right because it matters so much to them. And that's the buzz. That's the biggest buzz of all. Um, and yeah, it's when you're a minister, you know, when you take a piece of legislation all the way through Parliament, you negotiate with the opposition, and you know the vote goes, and you know you've you've made that happen. That's that's a good a good buzz as well. But I tell you what, um, see, as a minister, I have not enjoyed myself before as much as I am now, and that will surprise some people because I've got a monumental task in my hand with the, the whole reform agenda. But what an opportunity! And the thing about it is. I keep going out and seeing all these amazing things happening in colleges and universities. It's a real buzz. Um, and it kind of pushes you on to try and make sure that we make that the standard right across the country. And I'll be honest with you, I, I was, one of the things that's really blown me away was visiting your cafe as well. Mm -hmm. Because I was really impressed with what you're doing. And I came away thinking, you know, I'd really love to see that kind of stuff replicated all over the country. And we can do it. That should be available. What happens at Fuse should be available in all our communities, and it's a standard that, you know, we've got to look to see adopted. Right. Well, thank you for your time. Very thank you. That was good Thanks. fun.